2: we
0: Thank you so much, Tori, for joining me.
2: Oh, it was a pleasure. We could have done two hours, Michael. You know. <laughs> One more. Okay. Please, let it is gonna be me.
0: It is you, dear. Seven two seven. Oh You're <laughs> <laughs> talking to Michael. Oh my, oh my god. god. Oh, good evening everybody. It's uh Monday evening, April twenty fifth, two thousand and eleven. You're listening to Be the Light Now Radio and I'm your host, Michael Carbone. Hope everyone had a wonderful Easter and Passover and however else you celebrate the uh, holiday season. We just had over the weekend, and uh, hopefully you're staying safe if you're in the Midwest. So tonight we have a wonderful guest with us again. Let me just bring him on here. So I know we always run out of time, so let's bring on Phil. Welcome to the show, Phil. Hi. Thanks for having me. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself.
3: Okay. Um, I'm Phil Farber, and... Uh, Let's see, I guess I'm best known as the author of several books about uh, ritual magic and uh, the Western esoteric tradition. I'm also a novelist uh, and a hypnotist and an NLP trainer. And so basically um, my job is thinking of creative ways and fun things to do for uh, for people's brains to uh help people become more of who they'd like to be and um get the uh the enjoyment and happiness uh that they'd like in their life. So that's that's the uh, the broad overview. Uh, I've been doing this for I don't know many years uh since since I was a teenager really, but uh, uh I guess officially probably about 30 years or so uh is the uh the official certificates and things that hang on my wall and uh, uh dates on books and things. Um I guess uh I'm probably best known at this point for my most recent book which is called MetaMagic. Uh and uh, uh a previous one back in the 90s called uh Future Ritual. So both of which uh are kind of an updating of uh traditional uh ritual magic.
0: Now, what is ritual magic?
3: Okay, ritual magic is uh, essentially uh, the tools using the art of ritual to change our consciousness. And uh, magic has, uh, you know, most people kind of think of magic uh, from what they see in movies and on television where, you know, somebody concentrates on something and something floats or lights up or, you know, does something something dramatic. Uh uh, well, well, not, uh, not to completely discount anything miraculous happening, because I've seen some pretty unusual things in my time. Uh, mostly what we do with magic is about perfecting the self. It's about what you can do uh, in your own time, in your own space, and in your own mind to really become the person that you want to be. And the, the tools that we use are, well, it begins with, what you've got right there, which is your your mind and body uh, the mind body system uh, your brain uh language uh and uh and the art of ritual, which is uh, essentially everybody does does ritual to some extent uh if you let's say you want to have a romantic dinner with somebody you there's a particular ritual that you you do in terms of selecting the right music and the right food and the the right uh ambiance and the lights and and so on that's that's kind of a, that's what we call a ritual frame and it's a very natural human behavior uh magicians going way back to the you know the dawn of time really uh began using these ritual frames uh to achieve greater effects to to raise the the vibration of the individual if you will uh Or you know, to help people to become something maybe a little bit more than than their usual mundane selves um, for the most part uh the the miraculousness comes in uh the kinds of surprises that we get when we really discover who we are and what we wanna be in life, and things kind of tend to fall in line once you once you do that, and the world kind of seems like it's lining up to uh to help you out. Um so really that's uh that's the overview of magic. I mean it goes back to, you know, Sumerian, Babylonian, Chaldean times. Um the the, the Egyptians had a very sophisticated and and uh uh complex system of magic. Uh and it's probably most known probably from like the um the 18th and 19th century in uh Europe and England where groups like the Golden Dawn society and uh the Rosicrucians and things like that were probably the, the major exponents of this kind of ritual technology so uh and nowadays there's all kinds of different forms of it um including most of the ancient ones that people still study uh but then there's things like like chaos magic and meta magic and things like that which Really incorporate uh, more of our modern knowledge. I mean, we know a lot more about how the brain and the mind work, and and the the way the world works, and so on. And we can incorporate that, so, um, which doesn't make it any less interesting, or exciting, or, or miraculous. It actually uh, maybe makes it more so.
0: Okay. And what is um, NLP?
3: Ah, okay. Uh, NLP stands for neuro linguistic programming, and it's basically a study well the the, uh, the catchphrase is uh it's the uh the study of the structure of subjective experience basically it's how we use our thoughts okay neuro our nerves our nervous system uh same root as neurology and so on uh linguistic our language and programming so it's how we can use our language and our nervous system, basically our, our thoughts and our abilities to communicate to, in effect, program our lives, to um, uh, fine-tune the way that we communicate and the way that we think and the way that we visualize and so on um, to, well, let's see, to produce excellence in the things that we do.
0: Okay. It seems a little complicated
3: <laughs> well uh it it ranges from very, very simple i mean there's some really good introductory books and and seminars i mean most people are familiar with say Tony Robbins, who when he began he was using n l p um, in his in his material he had studied n l p and that's kind of how he generated his material. He kind of went on to to do his own thing from there. Uh, but but there's still an awful lot of that sensibility in there. Um, it, it can be, um, let's see. I mean, there's some real kind of simple and fun things that you can do with NLP. Um, uh, but you can also spend many years studying it and really get into the into the fine tuning of of language and understanding language patterns and the the kind of word choices that people use and the the subtle nonverbal cues that people use to communicate and so on. So you could really take it um, from from the simple. You can you can take workshops or read books uh, on NLP for specific things. If you're, say, um, uh, you know, you're involved in a particular kind of work, you're an artist or a salesperson or something, you know, there's definitely specific books that tell you how to do that. Mostly uh, people who – Study it uh, originally uh, we're therapists, because this is a very powerful tool to use in understanding how people kind of build their realities and the models that they create uh for themselves and their lives and so on. Um, so so at at that end of it if you if you're going to study it to do therapy and something, I would recommend you know getting into the more complex end of it so that you really know what you're doing. Uh, but again, there's very simple things uh, that people can do for themselves. Um, I've taken it and kind of integrated it a little bit with some of this ritual technology with the magic, and come up with some very simple things that maybe we can uh, talk about or demonstrate uh, one or two of these things in, a, uh, in the show later, if you'd like.
0: That sounds good. So, um, let me see. Lost my train of thought here for a second. <laughs> we have a chat room too in it that we've been having a lot of uh, a lot of issues, and I'm having people saying that they lost sound. So. It's like, no, we're ah. still broadcasting.
3: Okay, I still hear myself.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, they've been uh, having some issues lately, so that's why I got sidetracked there for just a moment. Okay. So, and, um, okay, we already talked about Metamagic. So it's like you've written quite a few um, articles in, um, on a wide variety of topics.
3: Oh, sure. I I, uh, I was a professional journalist for... Oh many years I mean starting out in the early 80s I guess uh up until really a few years ago when when uh, I started doing a lot better just with with my own books and so and so forth so I really I did a lot of um straight journalism I did uh arts and entertainment kind of things I, interviewing rock stars especially <laughs> I spent probably I don't know about 12 years uh as a as a rock journalist uh and got to talk to a lot of really interesting uh, uh, performers and stuff and learn a whole lot doing that, especially, uh, like I said, with the NLP tools, um, you can kind of study how people kind of create their reality. And I, I spent a lot of time uh, asking <laughs> asking pointed questions to, to uh, 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 famous performers to learn a little bit about their creative strategies and, and so on, which was really uh, quite a learning experience uh but in in recent years uh uh I've just been writing my my books um but let's see I wrote for uh, I mean quite a few magazines uh, a lot of music magazines back in the day uh um and also um I also get asked to write a lot of articles on my specialties on things like magic and hypnosis and NLP so I've also written for a lot of you know uh kind of industry things the, the Journal of Hypnotism and uh uh, things like that that focus on those those kinds of things
0: okay um I was just reading some of the uh, information about you also on here um where did it go now? one of my other windows here <laughs> oh there we go okay um yeah you' also, you've also wrote too about um, biofeedback and chaos theory yeah uh
3: yeah to some extent i I've done um uh, a fair amount of uh experimentation just on my own with uh, I have some simple biofeedback equipment here um and I do also uh use that uh sometimes with my personal clients uh, I do see uh uh you know uh, I do have personal consultations and hypnosis and NLP and so on uh which is um you know, a lot of that is uh, you hang up a shingle that says you're a hypnotist. You get a lot of people who want to stop smoking and lose weight and things like that. And I, I get my share of those. But I also, because of the subjects I've written on, uh, I also get a lot of people who are a little more interested in uh, uh, using the techniques to explore their their spiritual life and things like you know, dreams and altered states and, and so on um so we do incorporate some biofeedback into that um uh chaos chaos theory a little bit um i mean i guess i have a layman's understanding of that from reading some of the books but um i do get uh my material is very popular among people who practice what's called chaos magic uh which is somewhat based in chaos theory but it's more the idea of um the idea of magic kind of separated from uh, just a little little bit more background on magic is that the traditional forms are all, all very involved in traditional pantheons in the, the ancient gods and goddesses and angels and demons and uh, things like that and uh, generally when you get involved in magic and you start studying it you're working with uh, a lot of these traditional systems. Um, chaos magic is more, is more freed from that and it's about being able to use kind of any system um, or creating your own system, so it's not necessarily uh, for instance the like uh, the Golden Dawn Society, which is probably the major exponent of magic in the in the nineteenth century um where a lot of today's magic uh descended from um they were they were really a judeo christian organization and a lot of their their ritual work was based in that a lot of it's in Hebrew and, um, you know, calls upon the various names of, of the Judeo-Christian God and works with angels and the hierarchies and the things that are in the Bible and stuff like that, uh, all of which is great. Um, uh, however, you know, and people who study that, they kind of stay in that system. Um, a, a chaos magician, on the other hand, would, would say, yeah, that's good. We can do that, but we can also use ancient Greek gods and Roman gods and Chaldean gods and Babylonian gods and and if we want we could even find some some modern gods things that that people think of as gods today which might be oh some of our fictional characters or movie characters or celebrities or things like that as well so it's all it, things are things are kind of we're, we're living in an interesting time where this is all kind of uh uh kind of getting mixed up and shuffled together and um uh, gets to be a lot of fun,
0: so do you have uh think any of this um will be a big influence for two thousand and twelve coming along
3: well uh I think it already has been I think some of the people who are who are promoting the the whole twenty twelve uh phenomena um the the late jose Arguelles, uh, among others uh had studied this kind of thing had studied uh, uh ritual magic and so on um I'm uh I'm kind of a wait and see person with things like that <laughs> with things like prophecies. Um I don't know uh, uh I don't know necessarily that that anything, you know, particular is going to happen just because a particular calendar is coming to an end. I think something could happen because people want it to happen and will make it happen, which is even more interesting
0: to me. I guess, um, I guess it's going to be interesting to see what happens with 2012 coming along. Yeah. So you say you do uh, consultations and all with your clients. What kind of work do you do with them?
3: Well, like I said, uh, you know, a lot of people come in for things like like habit change, you know, stop smoking and lose weight and things like that. But I also do get, because I have written on a wide variety of unusual subjects, um uh, I get people who, who really, um, uh, they want to explore a little bit more into into altered states and, and learn how to do magic um, uh, and so on. I, I do get, uh, I, I mean, sometimes I get really, really interesting requests that I think that a lot of other hypnotists uh, and so on um, don't necessarily get. I mean, I get people who've had UFO encounters that, that they've, They've lost part of some of the memory of it, and they want to recover that under hypnosis. I get uh uh people who have had contacts with various kinds of, of non human entities for want of a better term uh and uh, and want to explore some of that um i get uh my my real specialty what I really like to do with people is is help people to find their own purpose and direction in life, which I think is one of the real original tools of magic. I mean one of the original goals of magic. Um and I mean throughout history it's really about developing yourself and and learning who you are. I mean that flying over the temple that says know thyself. That that's you know a very a, a central tenet of of magic. And uh uh so, so I do get people who who want to learn that kind of thing. They want to um, they want to do a little bit more consciousness exploration, um, uh, and so on. And again, I do get I do get the simple request for people who want to, you know, lose their cigarettes and so on.
0: Now, what's a good way for someone to go ahead and uh, quit smoking?
3: Ah, well, uh, it really depends on the individual. The the um, I mean, there's some a lot of Set programs you know people go well here's this program for stopping smoking, and here's another one and they, these are promoted by various organizations and and uh various systems um i don't think there's any one program that works for everybody the My approach and in general, the approach of people who study nlp is to create a model of the behavior to understand exactly what thought processes i mean. How does somebody think about it? What what do they do? What's the what's the strategy? What's the process that they go through in deciding to smoke a cigarette? And I will I will find that out from them. And not all of that is conscious. People don't always have all of those steps uh you know, they just go, Oh, I just know I whip it out, you know, without the cigarette and it's in my mouth. Um but um uh so so it's my job to kind of uncover that uh, that information to to kind of bring it up out of their unconscious uh and um uh and to work with that and and uh work with what i find rather than uh imposing something on them so for everybody who who does it who you know uh, there's there's some general things um basically uh in any kind of habit change situation or any kind of life change situ- situation when people come in and they express it as a negative, they say, I want to stop smoking. Well, my first question is, well, what do you want to do instead? Right? Um, so a, a lot of it is finding ways to find healthy uh, healthy behaviors that, that substitute for what they do. Uh, for instance, let's see, I had uh, a stop-smoking client uh, a while back who uh, – uh, Let's see, he was a uh, a musician, and he'd spent his time at, at his piano uh, being creative, and uh, then he would take a break. You know, he'd, he'd be working and working out a tune, and he'd take a break and he'd go outside and have a cigarette. And while he was outside having a cigarette, um, he part of his creative process would keep going. And he'd sort of find solutions for the things he was doing uh, at the keyboard. Um, and he was a little bit worried that, uh, you know, if he stopped smoking, he wasn't going to be able to be creative anymore so essentially we had to find some other behavior for him that would allow the creative processes to keep going in, in his case it was very simple it was basically for him to go outside and to look at the sky and that was very relaxing it it, it filled in the uh the need uh, of the cigarettes to you know to to be something that relaxed him and and de-stressed him and uh uh and also allowed that that space that mental space for his mind to to solve his creative problems and so on. Um for for a lot of people it's very different. I one of the very first ones I did uh <laughs> going back like 30 years ago, um a good friend of mine wanted me to help him stop smoking and um his solution was another easy one was basically drinking herb tea instead. And the fact is he drank a whole lot of, I mean, he smoked a whole lot of cigarettes, so when he switched to tea, he was drinking a lot of tea. So we had to deal with that a little bit. But that's not as addictive, so he could taper that off and so on. Um, So, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do that. Uh, There's a lot of different techniques, and uh, essentially it all comes down to finding out exactly how somebody thinks about it, what the process is that they uh, they go into, uh, when they Engage in the habit, and uh, and then utilizing that and finding some different things for them to do. The uh, same kind of thing that you know with um, people who want to lose weight and, and stuff like that. It's like you know, uh, or just in general, you get people who come in and say things like, um, you know, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be so unhappy all the time. I'll say, well, what do you want to be? <laughs> Right? They spend so much time focused on the negative, on whatever that they're still thinking about on happiness. Uh that we have to find the positive thing. Well, I want to be happy and then obviously have to find out what that means to them and and so on. So that's kind of the, the, the general paradigm. Obviously it's it's more complicated than that and and so on. Um uh, cigarettes in particular are for a lot of people it's one of the toughest habits to break. It's it's a harder habit to break uh, on your own, um, uh, than, uh, than a lot of illegal drugs, which are considered addictive. And, uh, I mean, seriously, I've had clients come in who were, you know, former heroin addicts who had no problem quitting heroin and were were still having trouble with the cigarettes. Um, so, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a, a life thing. And, uh, uh, it it's really – it comes down to them making kind of lifestyle choices and making kind of wider choices in their life about their health and, and you know, what they want to do. Um, so, again, not a, it's not a simple question. It's not a simple answer uh, to, you know, how what's the best way for somebody to do that. Um, some people already have the strategies. And, I mean, I know people who quit on their own, who go cold turkey, who just stop, uh, and so on. That's great if you can do it. Um, if you can't, uh, then find a good practitioner who can, uh, who can help you with it.
0: Yeah, that's definitely, it's a hard thing to do is to quit smoking. Yeah. It took me a while to be able to do it.
3: Yeah, for, for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of gimmicks out there and a lot of, and, the, and a big industry in terms of, uh, you know, people selling things like, you know, stop smoking kits and, and, um. Uh, uh, you know, the, the gum and the patches and all that stuff. And that stuff doesn't really work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Maybe nah. there's some people out there who, who who have had some success with it. Most people who get going with the patches and the gum get stuck on the patches and the gum. You know, and, and, so, and then you get the people who, who put the patches in, patches all over themselves and then smoke a cigarette on top of it to get an even bigger rush, which is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, if, if – uh, if you have some problem doing that yourself, find somebody to help you do it. That's uh, that's my best advice on that one.
0: And hypnosis would be good with doing that also?
3: Hypnosis is a great way to do that. There's a lot of good hypnotists out there. Um, there's a lot of bad ones too, of course, in any field you have. <laughs> you got a mix of people. But, but yeah, there's a lot of good hypnotists out there. Uh, and if you, um, you know, you, you talk you ask around a little bit, find people who've, had success with a with a particular hypnotist or um you know if the hypnotist is good get them on the phone and you know talk to them make sure you feel comfortable with them um and and so on so i mean that's a big part of it is is feeling comfortable any kind of practitioner you have a massage therapist a medical doctor whatever you're going to do better if you you like them you feel comfortable with them you, you feel positively motivated to go see them and and so on so um uh you know, it's finding a, a, hip, uh, a good hypnotist is really like finding any other any other good practitioner. You shop around a little bit, talk to your friends, uh, uh, you know, and, and get the people on the phone and, and talk to them and ask them questions and so on.
0: And how has all this changed your life?
3: Oh, uh, well, <laughs> it's become my life, really. Uh, in uh, I mean, real examples of, of uh, specific things. Um, when I was when I was younger, when I first started getting into this, um, I was very very shy. Uh, I was um, I found it very difficult to talk to people in uh, in public, or, you know, meet new people, go to parties, and so on. I'd be a wallflower. I'd just be sitting in the corner, uh, and so on. And and uh, I mean, really, one of the first things that I did with this kind of stuff was just kind of bring myself out of, out of my own shell and, and, uh, uh, learn how to communicate with other people and, and, uh, uh, you know, have relationships and, and so on. I met my wife in a, in a, uh, going back, uh, 25 years now, uh, I met my wife in uh in an NLP class. And, uh, so that, that was a huge change in my life and we've been together since then. Um. Uh, And, you know, really uh, an awful lot of what I do. I mean, um, at one time I couldn't even conceive of, you know, the thought of of writing a a book. I mean, you know, uh, for instance, my last published book was uh, a novel in two parts, um, which took me almost two years to write. Uh, The thought of that when I was younger, a a writing project that takes two years, man, I want to, you know, finish it off this afternoon. (laughs) Um, but uh, uh, by using some of these techniques, I, I work to keep myself focused, and and so on. Um, I've also, I mean, using the the magic stuff. There's ha, has opened up my mind to the idea that um, humans are maybe not the only uh, sentient entities around here, and that some of these things of mythology that we think of as you know gods, goddesses. Demons, angels, and so on. Um, in, in some sense, uh, I'm not quite sure how to how to describe that, but uh, in some sense, these things really uh, uh, they're out there, and they're sources of information, and they're sources of motivation, and and uh, uh, you know power, and peace, and compassion, and and all all the kinds of things that we look for in our life, and um, by utilizing them by being in contact with with these kinds of things uh and knowing how to be in contact with them in in safe ways that's certainly part of it um, uh you have access to a, a whole lot of different kinds of experiences and information and uh things that can really help you in in a whole lot of areas of your life um there's uh a very basic process uh in magic which is called invocation and i mean we we all know you know somebody uh says an invocation at a an event or something like that it 's it 's sort of setting the tone it 's about bringing in the the qualities that we want for something in magic more specifically it 's about drawing the qualities and the powers of certain of of entities into you and uh people do this all the time it 's not it 's not really a rare thing but it 's something that almost every religion does you go into a, a into a church and uh, sing hymns about Jesus and look at images of Jesus and so on, because, well, you want to bring some of those qualities into you or Christians do who, who want to, uh, who go, go there. If you're a, you're a Hindu and you go to a temple of Ganesha and you, you look at an image of Ganesha and you, you recite mantras to Ganesha and so on, it's because you want some of those qualities in you and uh, really, being uh, understanding how that process works and, and how there are really we're sort of surrounded. <laughs> uh, humans are. We live in a world that's that's just chock full of uh, of different kinds of entities, and you you really have a choice of the kinds of states of consciousness that you want to be in by uh, by this process of invocation. Uh, and there's an awful lot of information that could be gained from these these kinds of entities
0: and um how hard was it for you to communicate with them and what was that like
3: well uh i spent many years uh working through real traditional methods and um i i really i mean with some of these using the traditional methods with some of them i had uh just fantastic success right away uh some of them were a lot of work and uh i mean i spent I don't know. Probably close to twenty years or so working working through some of these traditional systems, um, and but as I did that, I was starting to um, uh, kind of update it for myself and and to bring it in. And I think what I've come up with um, are some a, a kind of system, uh, a way of, of encountering and and exploring this idea of entities. Uh, that pretty much anybody can do and um if you want you could you could probably do it very quickly and and uh i do this in workshops uh and seminars where uh, uh really you know we could do a demonstration of this and, and everybody can can have some taste of, of what it's like to contact an entity uh, of their own in you know 15 20 minutes or so um so it's not uh It's not terribly difficult. It's a very natural thing that we do all the time. Uh, And in our culture, we don't necessarily pose the entities that are important to us as gods and goddesses. Maybe a thousand years from now, somebody will dig up the the remains of our culture and uh, an archaeologist from the far future and look back and say, well, there was a, a big cult in our society who worshipped a, a mouse with big ears and a squeaky voice. You know, or they were uh you know, whatever. The 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 uh uh the things that we we find important in our in our culture, the the characters, the um uh the schools of thought, the philosophies, the the ideologies, each one of these is parallel to the way people in, in previous Civilizations thought of their entities, and for somebody in Egypt um, uh, working with the 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 god Thoth, who was the god of language and science and magic, uh, for instance, uh, that might be very you know just as uh, you know in in our culture we actually use some of those some of those same symbols uh, that that have been handed handed down. Thoth had a staff, which uh, in later times, became a a Caduceus uh, in um, uh, when thought kind of merged and transformed into into Mercury and Hermes and and so on. That's still our symbol of medicine and uh, and people who understand that you know uh, the, that archaeologist from the far future looking back and say, well, this was obviously a cult of of thought or Hermes or or Mercury, uh, you know, that we had these big buildings set up. Uh, and so on. So in a sense, it's how we, how we frame it in the language that we use, but we're really kind of still doing many of the same things that our ancestors did, uh, in those terms.
0: And, um, how, hmm, how informative and helpful, um, are the spirits and all when you communicate with them?
3: Well, uh, very often they're extremely helpful. Um, the, uh, There's another process, or invocation, uh, which I already described, is is drawing some qualities of entities into you, and people do that all the time. The the reverse of that is called evocation, is the traditional idea of summoning spirits, of relating to a spirit or entity as something external to you. Now, um, my personal beliefs about this is that um, there's an illusion of separateness. Okay, that that we we have this illusion. There's actually in neuroscience, there's a they've located a spot in the brain in the in the right uh, parietal lobe of the brain, uh, which tells us that we are separate individuals. Now, if you disrupt that spot in the brain, um, what happens is that you kind of lose your your sense of self. And people who've have that who've injured that part of the brain through illness or an accident. Um, they, they'll they look in the mirror, they will recognize themselves, and they have this sense of being part of everything around them. So um, I personally think, I believe that we are uh, literally, I mean, mystics have said, you know, since the dawn of time, we are all one, and we're one with everything. And uh, uh, I I accept that, and I think, but we make delineations of what is separate from us, and uh, what's another person, and what's a, what's another entity, and and so on, and it makes our lives interesting. It helps us to navigate this um, consensus reality that we have here, uh, and so on. I mean, this this conversation, if we if we broke down the barriers between you and I, for instance, if if we both had that spot in our brain temporarily erased, and we realized that we're we're just the same thing, we're 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 the same entity. It would make this conversation a lot less fun. <laughs> we wouldn't have it. It, it. We would already know everything that that the other person knew and so on. Um now the entities are the same same kind of thing, okay? Um so we delineate things as separate from us um for the sake of uh usefulness really, all right? Uh and now everybody does Evocation on a small relating to spirits outside of them or entities outside of them. Everybody does it on a small scale. Okay, um, I think everybody out there has probably everybody's got a computer in front of them uh, who's listening to this. Uh, everybody's cursed at their computer every once in a while or, or urged it to go faster or something like that. It's like who are you talking to? It's just a machine, right? But in a sense, we're we're relating to it as if it's an intelligence. And when we start to uh we start to apply that same kind of delineation of deciding that uh, say uh certain qualities in the world like the ancients did with science and language that became thought um in our world, you know we may say that uh certain kinds of behavior that's um You know certain things that we do, emotional states, and and so on, that they're they're on one hand they're part of us, but on the other hand we can relate to them as things outside of us, and uh, the the spirits, I mean all of these things that we you know angels, demons, loas, orishas, uh, all these things out there in the world, um, we're all part of that. I mean we're we're all one, but we delineate them and uh as separate uh for the purpose of gaining information from them for the purpose of being able to communicate uh in more explicit and, and useful ways so um so again everybody does that on a small scale when we start to do it a little bit more consciously and and directly uh yeah we can get huge huge information from these these things um we can get all kinds of surprising things about the future, about the past, about uh, uh, our relationships, about our emotional states, about things that are hidden from us in the world, and and so on. So, um, uh, yeah, it can be very useful, very surprising, and uh, uh, very interesting, too. Uh, um, If you're... um, Let's see. If you're a little misguided and and kind of you get kind of lost in this, there could be some danger to it as well. I mean, uh, I think people who, uh, for instance, people who are diagnosed as schizophrenic, they they have lost that ability to, uh, to be able to tell what's what's their imagination, what's really in the world, uh, what's useful information, and so on. Um, traditional magic had a lot of interesting protocols to test that. If you're you're you contacted by an entity in traditional magic, well, you asked it for proof. That was the first thing you did. Say, well, you know, prove it. <laughs> and the main proof is that it, does the entity know something that you couldn't possibly know? Right? Does it have uh, uh, Does it have some information that's beyond what your your human consciousness uh, knows about? Um, and very often, uh, yes, they do. Uh, and, uh, some of it, some of it's very interesting and very surprising. And, and you can really, uh, um, with some of these, some of these techniques are very simple, uh, again, and you can, uh, uh, you can really learn a lot about your life and about the world around you and about the kinds of things that, uh, um, that you're able to do that maybe you didn't know about. So, uh, uh, I think the answer to your question was yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's always interesting to know what uh, you know what they have to say and and how we can all connect with them.
3: Yeah, and uh, I think everybody everybody has the experience of connecting with them, um, even atheists. <laughs> I just had I had to throw that out, but uh, uh, everybody has some some connection to it. We do tend to filter and edit a lot of things in our in our consciousness and uh most of us to some extent um we kind of ignore the the more unusual things that happen in our lives and go about our business and uh for the most part that's often a good thing uh, if you're you're kind of lost in the in the realm of entities and uh talking to gods and goddesses while you're trying to cross the street, yeah, maybe your attention should be more on crossing the street um, you know and dodging traffic but uh, uh uh but when the time is right and so on you know it it's uh it, it's there but but most of us are we're kind of trained out of it at a young age uh little kids they're in contact with all sorts of things they have imaginary friends that they talk to they they talk to the spirits of nature they talk to uh animals they talk to to the trees and the things around them and you know but as they get older you know parents and teachers and and so on tell us you know no no that's just your imagination that's uh you know that's that's a tree it doesn't really it's not conscious it's just a tree you could chop it down and burn it you know um you know and we're kind of trained out of this kind of communication. Uh, and we need to kind of, uh, if you want to communicate with entities, if you want to be a magician or so on, uh, then it's kind of, you got to take it back and retrain yourself, untrain yourself from from the things that uh, our schools and so on have, have given us and uh, and be open again to, to the different varieties of uh, experience that we have and the different kinds of spirits and entities that are that are in the world.
0: And you were mentioning too about um being careful when uh you know people are going ahead and trying this. Uh what what kind of problems could they come up with?
3: Well, I think uh the the first thing is that uh well, people who tend to mistake their their imagination and their own desires for things that are that are really external to them. Um, there's it's kind of a, a persistent problem in magical communities that there there's people who oh I don't know, for want of a better term, let's call it hallucination. Uh who, who think that they're that they're communicating with things that give them very bad advice. <laughs> and uh uh, uh, and maybe it's just kind of their own, their own conscious or semi-unconscious whims and desires that they're kind of justifying. Um, there's people who are legends in their own imagination, uh, you know, and so on. And and uh, I think it's the same, the same dangers that you have in almost any field, in, in thinking that you're you're something other than you are, and mistaking communication and uh and so on um the uh my main thing that I, I teach my students is to refrain from judgment okay when when something you get something that's uh, that's communicating with you um, they it says something maybe very provocative to you or very exciting or something like that uh, it's it's very important to kind of suspend judgment and Wait, you know, wait. Let's see how things play out. Um, test things, you know. Again, like in the traditional methods, you you ask for proof. You know, what's your proof that you're you're a an angel from the highest realm? You know, obviously, you've got something that uh, you know that you can do or that you can know that a, that a human isn't going to. And how does that work out? And um, you know, maybe it's a prediction about the future. Maybe it's about Uh, you know, some knowledge of, you know, what's lurking in the back of your refrigerator that you didn't know was there, you know, who knows? Um, But something, some way of testing. And um, safety in magic, it begins, uh, usually the idea is, uh, it's framed as what's called a banishing ritual, which is uh, essentially clearing and grounding. Um, It's about uh, making sure that you're uh, your mind is clear of the kinds of things that uh, the desires and random thoughts and and mental chatter that uh, uh, could you know uh, wrongly influence your imagination and and uh, uh, be mistaken for something else. Um, you know, just like um, I don't know if you if you work in a laboratory, you you got to clean out the glassware before you do your experiment in it because if there is something in it from a from a left from a previous experiment it's going to throw your uh your results off if you're um uh, if you're cooking something you know you want you want to clean out your pot first so that uh you know there isn't something funky in there from from before um so that's kind of what a banishing ritual does it, it clears the space clears your mind um uh, so that you can do it some people like to do the banishings before and after a ritual so that you're you're also kind of clearing things out so you can go back to your your regular state. Um, uh there's also lots of other kind of safety things in there some knowledge of psychic self defense of um you know knowing if if something is malevolent to you how you, how do you defend yourself how do you uh, um how do you keep your own self strong how do you uh um you know, maintain your own comfort and integrity and so on. Um and these are uh I don't think these these problems are limited to magic I think they're the, they're the same kinds of things that we find in other areas of our life, which is just basically being prepared, being focused, being centered, and so on uh, these are the same rules that if you're a uh you're an olympic athlete you're gonna wanna follow that you're gonna have your your mind clear and prepared, and so on um, you know uh I'm sure you know before you you do a show here that you have some kind of little little ritual that you do just to kind of get yourself set up and and do it. It's something as prosaic as finding the right chair and making sure your phone is properly working properly and so on. Um, so I, I think these are the, these are uh, just the, the similar kinds of things, but it's about being careful and being prepared and. and uh, um, There are maybe some some entities out there that are, uh, you know, not as (laughs) – don't necessarily have your best uh, uh, interests in mind. And that's, you know, that could range from ideas that are posed to you by the media, by the government, by advertisers, and so on, that uh, have their own little kinds of entities about them, and – uh uh you know, and so on. So it's so it's it's a matter of kinda of being prepared and, and uh uh you know, to some extent like anything else, knowing what you're doing.
0: And what would be uh the one easy thing that people can go ahead and do to um to actually go ahead and protect themselves from anything?
3: Well, uh the uh, a basic banishing ritual and this is this is absolutely as basic as it gets some of these are are extremely complicated there's banishing rituals that could take you a couple hours to do um the the real simple one that i like to do is simply imagine a circle around yourself and um i usually go about uh, about the distance of my outstretched arms and breathe deeply and as you inhale just imagine that your your awareness, your aura, if you want to call it that, is expanding to fill that circle. And as you exhale, have it contract to a tiny point in the center of your chest. And you just repeat that. And as you do that, certain things happen. It seems to, the the nature of your aura and the space in the circle seem to change a little bit. Um, and that's basically the whole point of that is that you're you're using a certain kind of consciousness of focused, directed consciousness to fill up this space around you and, and have that, there's your presence in there and everything else has been kind of uh, excluded from that area. Um, that's that's absolutely the most basic. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, uh, if you think that you're, you're under attack or if you think that um, you're kind of, you're obsessed with certain ideas or whatever, there's all kinds of specific things that you can do, but... That's just a real basic uh basic method to do that,
0: and how would somebody know if they were being attacked
3: well uh, let's see usually usually the signs are obvious, somebody says, "I'm gonna get you <laughs> um, for the most part uh I, I get contacted uh on a fairly regular basis at least uh at least a dozen times a year, I guess. Um, by people who believe that they 're being they 're being attacked for the most part i don 't think they are for the most part i think they 're um, they 've become obsessed with ideas or they 're paranoid or they're whatever but occasionally there are some situations where um there are definite attacks going on now. Most of the kind of psychic attacks that we we do encounter are very commonplace. And they're so commonplace that we don't even really uh, give them credence as as psychic attacks. Um, let's say you walk into a into a party, and somebody shoots you a dirty look, you know, or somebody you get near somebody and they're their whole thing they're looking down at you, they're running you down. Those are the real kinds of psychic attacks, and they they can be even more devastating than the 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 kinds of things where people think that that uh you know a demon is after them or or whatever um, for the most part uh uh there's there's really interesting ways to test for that too when uh, uh, when people are uh oh people are hostile to you they they don't even have to say a word it, it will change your consciousness it will weaken your muscles it will um, change the way you breathe. It will uh, do that because again, we are kind of all very much interconnected, and um, your thoughts affect the people around you. Their thoughts affect you, and uh, uh, so that's those. And those are the real kinds of psychic attacks. and And it's even more important to be prepared for those than for the, the kind of grandiose things that I, I get contacted about, where. You know, I'm being attacked by demons. Uh, there's evil magicians after me, and and so on. Uh, not to say that that stuff doesn't happen. Uh, it does, but I think it's I think it's very rare. Uh, I think the the interpersonal psychic attacks are much more common.
0: Okay, yeah, because I I know I have people wondering sometimes. You know, how do we, you know if you're being attacked? And it's like so it usually yeah. varies. So.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely varies, and and I, I would think that you know for the most part if you're genuinely under attack your attacker is going to make it plain to you whether it's an entity or another human it's they're going to make it plain to you they're going to show up and say you know ha ha ha, I'm going to get you um, and there's uh if you get involved in magical communities and particularly on the internet where people get a little nutty anyway um the uh, <laughs> there, there's there there are some real you know, magical attacks going on. People uh, upset each other on uh, internet forums and then, you know, say, well, I'm going to get you and and go at it. I've seen, seen some of those go on and I've seen people have real physical responses to these kinds of things where they cause each other pain and and upsetment and illness and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And, you know, um, that's you know maliciousness and bullying and and so on and it's uh, you deal with it pretty much the same way you deal with maliciousness bullying and and so on and in, in other quarters of your life but uh, you also need to to have the ability to manage your own state to to know that to, that you can keep yourself grounded and centered and and so on and and be able to kind of draw yourself back into yourself when when necessary and uh, make that separation between yourself and whoever's trying to to affect you.
0: And what do you think about using, uh, like, a tool or something like uh, the Ouija boards?
3: Uh, I I love that kind of stuff. Um, When I was a kid, I played with Ouija boards all the time. Um, This is what this is known as in – hypnosis and in uh, neuroscience, it's called idiomotor response. And what that means is that your thoughts cause some uh, a motor response in your body. And now your thoughts can be, um, let's see. All right. Well, uh, okay. The most obvious kinds of idiomotor response are, let's say, you think of of an experience that you've had recently that was really a lot of fun, or you think of the punchline to a joke, right? What do you do? You smile. You don't, you don't have to think I'm going to smile. Your face does that automatically. Um, we have even more subtle ones where, Oh, if something's stressing you out, it causes certain muscles to be tight and, and other ones not to be, uh, and other ones to be relaxed. Um, if you think about somebody that you find really sexy, right, your body gets aroused without you having to say, you know, geez, it's time to get aroused. You know, it, it happens. It's it, it's an automatic thing that your body does based on your thoughts. There's no separation between mind and body. These are separate words that we have in the English language based on some philosopher who lived a long time ago who got it all wrong. Um, but uh, so our thoughts always uh, have some physiological response. And when you do something like a Ouija board or a pendulum um, or um, muscle testing or uh, things like that, these are all testing this idiomotor response. It's testing this mind-body connection. Now, when when you use a Ouija board to contact spirits, right, when you contact uh, entities, um, essentially they're talking through your unconscious. They're talking through the part of your mind that, goes directly to these motor responses without you having to think. Um, so, in effect, they're they're communicating directly with your brain and your body and so on, as they always do. Uh, it's just a way of becoming aware of that. Um, pretty much everybody, um, uh, I do this a lot with, with clients. It's actually a kind of traditional thing to do in hypnosis, um, is to, to use a pendulum and demonstrate that that mind body connection now, um, uh and people can get can can get answers that they don't know that they've already kind of decided on um that way uh and if we start to talk about uh about entities about uh spirits and so on that represent parts of their lives well those those are connected with your brain just the same way everything else is and um you know, it makes use of those those connections that we have, and that that sense that all is one because the, that information flows between us. Um, and somebody else's consciousness can affect your your physical state and your body, and the consciousness of these things that we call entities or spirits or so on. Uh, likewise, can do the same. And everybody can use a pendulum. Um, it's it's very simple. Um, Ouija boards are sometimes a little trickier because you're, you're counting on somebody else and people cheat and stuff like that, but uh, push it around. Um, But if you really just, just relax and, and let the thing move by itself. Yeah, it works. Um, Again, the dangers are the same uh, becoming kind of obsessed with the ideas or uh, deluded by things that aren't necessarily the real thing or, um, or believing that it's saying something for real and the other person's pushing it around or whatever. Um, So um, I I think that stuff is a lot of fun. I I love playing with it. It, it, It's a wonderful demonstration of uh, not only the mind-body connection in in ourselves, but also the way that we're connected with the world and the way we can receive information from all kinds of things around us.
0: Yeah, I haven't really had any bad experiences with uh, with Ouija boards. They're kind of interesting, though.
3: Yeah, I think the only bad experience I had with a Ouija board was when I was like 10 years old and my friends and I scared the hell out of ourselves. <laughs> we started getting answers from it. We were going, oh,
2: crap, there's ghosts and spirits and demons, and
3: and we freaked ourselves out. Uh, but I think that was just because we freaked ourselves out and not because it was really telling us anything uh malevolent or trying to hurt us or anything like that. Um uh, I think we just spooked ourselves. Um and, and i played with them many you know, I we used to play with the Ouija board a lot when I was a kid and, and uh um it, it was fun. There there was a kind of old old school dogma about it that it was, you know, sort of a, a crappy way of mediumship that, that you you opened yourself up to all these malevolent spirits and stuff like that. And um I suppose that's possible. I think that people who um, open, who believe or accept anything that a spirit says to them are in the same danger as people who believe or accept anything that a human says to them, um, which means that, you know, you can be deluded or fooled or lied to or, or whatever, um, you know, by spirits as well as humans. Um, so again, you know, you need to kind of then judgment on these things and um you know test them, ask for proof uh and, and so on and, you know wait and wait and find out you know if, if the Ouija board tells you you're gonna die tomorrow, well, probably not <laughs> you know um there's parts of yourself of your own consciousness that have has reasons to 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 lie to you and and to delude you um and there's parts of the world that want to you know other parts of the world spirits entities that uh that have similar agendas um also sometimes these things uh communicate with us in the same kind of language as our dreams i mean dream language if if you die in a dream, does that mean you you die in real life probably not um if you uh, you know things in a in a in a dream are not necessarily. Uh, the things they are in real life They're symbols They're um, kind of stand-ins For, for things that we uh, uh, That we experience Or relate to in real life So um, for instance You know the idea of, the idea of death If the Ouija board tells you You're going to die tomorrow uh, Something like that um, It might be the same idea of death That we fr- find for instance In the tarot deck Which is really not physical death But transformation Um also, I mean, there's a lot of things that we we also symbolize as death, uh, including you know orgasm, or um, uh, you know laughing laughing so hard if a a, a comic is really good. Well, he's he's going to kill you, you know, he's slaying him. Um, so, I mean, the, the, you have to watch for the metaphors as well as the the literal responses as well.
0: And you mentioned also about tarot cards. What's yeah. your take on those?
3: Oh, I've, I've, uh, used tarot cards for many, many years. probably oh, probably about 30 some odd years. And, uh, uh, the tarot cards are absolutely fascinating. They're, they're a compendium of, uh, symbols and metaphors that has, has evolved along with us for hundreds of years, um, the the first uh the first real tarot decks i mean we have this there's this mythological thing about tarot decks that they go back to egyptian times and maybe even further the the, the first real tarot decks we have are probably from like the 1300s um but there were comparable things in earlier times uh, even egyptian hieroglyphs and and the uh, the the images that they made and um gone cave paintings and so on were were kind of similar metaphoric uh symbols they were things that represented aspects of our lives and uh the tarot cards are are just they're wonderful because they're they're kind of a set of symbols that represents the whole range of life from from birth to death from um the whole range of emotions and uh the whole range of of experiences that we can have in in these wide open metaphors so they're very, very useful for getting you to think about your life. And I know most people use them uh, as a predictive tool, as fortune-telling. And uh, they can actually be surprisingly and freakishly accurate <laughs> uh, sometimes, uh, depending on the person who's reading them, because really that's what it comes down to, is is the human consciousness interpreting these symbols. And uh, uh, but for the most part even even if you're using it as a predictive tool the the real point of the tarot cards is to kind of open up your your thought processes to kind of uh think about different aspects of your life and and to look at these these common um, human experiences and uh you know when you when you pull one of these cards. Um, you pull the fool card or you pull the priestess or something like that. And you look at the image and you kind of think about how that, how that relates to your own life, right? There's the fool card in most of the decks. There's uh, a young guy who's about to step off the edge of a cliff, right? What does that mean to you? When you look at that, there's somebody, and he's, he's got this blissful expression of innocence on his face, right? What does that mean? It's uh, somebody who's stepping off into the unknown, right? What, what, what leap are you taking in your own life what uh what kind of uh, uh unknown thing are you trustingly walking off the edge of and you know and so on um so it's a uh, it's very inter- it's a very interesting tool for self discovery um and and also for uh uh making predictions as well
0: and have you um gone ahead and never used any tarot cards of your own
3: Oh sure, I actually have a pretty good collection of decks uh uh and and books on them that I've uh um collected and and studied for many years. Uh I for many years I did daily readings for myself, uh which I think is a, just a fantastic practice in terms of uh self-knowledge and learning about yourself. Uh also for many years I did readings for other people. Um I used to do uh for quite a few years I did online readings uh, for people, and uh, you know, do quite a few of them a day, <laughs> uh, which is which is fun up to a point. Uh, it's a great way to learn how to use the cards. It's a great way to to learn the symbols uh, and so on. Um, so, uh, I, I also occasionally, even with my hypnosis clients, I, I will get requests for people who who also want me to incorporate some tarot work uh, uh, or to do a reading for them. Uh, so on, so so uh, I still do that occasionally. Um, I always have a deck sitting sitting on my desk uh, next to my computer, and uh, sometimes when I need to kind of jog my thought processes a little bit, I'll pull a card or do a reading. Um, so yeah, I, I do do that quite a bit, actually.
0: And how long have you been doing uh, you know working with clients and all?
3: Oh, I've been working with clients oh off and on. For probably um, i don't know about twenty years i guess um, at times in my life I've had other other things that uh uh became more important to me i have you know other projects if I'm writing a book, I'll probably see less clients and uh and and so on um sometimes i have other other uh projects for for some years my wife and i um curated an art center and that was just so much work that i for three or four years i didn't see any clients because we were just so so involved and bogged down and uh in that kind of work um but uh uh yeah about 20 years and um uh i kind of keep it i I see a limited number of clients because i do i do want to keep time for writing and for for my other pursuits and um uh so I, I kind of I, I limit it to um eh, you know, no more no more than one a day really. uh sometimes two a day if I if I really gotta squeeze somebody in there. Um but for the most part that's uh that's where I've been the last uh, several years.
0: Yeah, that definitely takes uh quite a bit of time to uh go ahead and, and help out clients.
3: Yeah, it's true. And I, I think a lot of people don't don't always understand how much time it does take because it's not just uh what's happening in the room there. It's there's there's preparation, you need to really uh spend some time outside of the session to, to really think about what you're gonna do and uh how how you're gonna help these people with their problems and uh and so on. Um I love to do it. Uh it's it's really one of my favorite things to do, uh, there's a certain amount of satisfaction in in just helping somebody you help somebody make a breakthrough in their life and just to see the expression on their faces uh for me it's one of the most wonderful things that i can do in my life um uh but again it's uh, there's uh that's another aspect of of psychic self-defense is that you know you can you can give everything you got to other people um you got to know when the where the the cutoff point is and uh know keep yourself balanced and healthy and strong so that you can actually help other
0: people. Yeah, you need to have some time for yourself
3: yeah that's right i I've known uh people who were um you know healers and psychics and uh consultants of various kind who just you know really just got into it they they loved doing it so much that that they kept giving and giving and giving and finally you know <laughs> ended up exhausted or sick or something like that because they they gave all of their all of their energy to other people. Um the metaphor I like to use is when you're on an airplane, uh they tell you, you know, if there's a a, a loss of cabin pressure, the oxygen masks will drop down, put your own on first before you help somebody else. Right? You, cause you can't help them if you're if you're dead.
0: Right? Yeah, that's true.
3: You know, you, you got to you have to take care of yourself so that you can you can offer to other people. You need to have your own consciousness uh, healthy and strong and, and so on so that you can uh, you can offer that to other people
0: so what's the next big project you're working on
3: oh i've got a, a couple going on here um, uh, the, the long-term project i'm in the middle of uh of another book of uh of a, uh, a novel uh, that i'm working on um which since i'm in the middle of it now probably a good two years before that's published um I do have another book on magic called Brain Magic which will be out in October so that's going through the editorial process now uh, at um uh Llewellyn Books and so that's that's some work uh doing the uh getting the galley proofs back from the copy editor and, and so on um uh coming up this weekend um uh, teaching a a week long uh, NLP seminar here um, so, uh, it's, it's pretty short notice, but if anybody's interested in, in coming in and learning about neuro-linguistic programming, uh, we've got, got a whole, a whole week of that going on, um, which is a, a, a large undertaking, uh, and, uh, uh, let's see, that's probably plenty. <laughs> But I do. I do have some other projects. We're making an audio book out of uh, the Brain Magic book. Um, got some video projects going on as well. So a lot of stuff.
0: And uh, what is your that new book going to be all about?
3: Uh, well, Brain Magic is about. Um, uh, it's sort of. Uh, let's see how to explain this. Um, it, it's funny. I you know I write a book and it, it makes it makes a lot of sense to me and then i have to explain it to the editors and the publishers and so on so that they they, they have some ideas i can you know sell them the, the idea um uh it's really a book that traces the uh the neurological pathways um getting into the science of it here um i i Studied, uh, got into studying neuroscience and and uh, how the brain works, and so on, with the intent to to understand what's really going on in your brain when we do magic. Now, you can trace those kinds of pathways. You can see, you know, when somebody's doing a, doing invocation or evocation, you're communicating with an entity. Um, you can see that there's certain things happening in the brain. Is that all that's happening? Probably not. I mean. Um, for instance, if you look at uh, you look at a painting, you look at uh, uh, Starry Night by Van Gogh, and uh, we we have your brain in a scanner, and you see certain things, certain areas of the brain are more active, certain areas of the brain are less active. Um, there's connectivity going on from one part of the brain to another, and so on. Um, uh, but that doesn't tell you what the content. It doesn't tell you what Starry Night looks like. Right. So in a sense, it's sort of uh, I'm I'm looking at that side of magic of saying what's what's happening in the brain and the body when we do this, Um, which is a big piece of it. If you can look at that and and understand that um, and uh, then you have some means of replicating that side of it, uh, of what you do with your brain and your body when you're when you're in uh, a, a magical ritual or you're communicating with an entity um and the book is just chock full of uh exercises uh that demonstrate all these points and and uh some very simple and very easy ways that people can uh uh learn how to do invocation and evocation how to uh contact with entities how to bring qualities from entities into you uh and change your life using uh the the neuroscience using the understanding what's going on in the brain and the body um as kind of the key into into going in there uh and, and getting these these results. Um again it's not that's not the only way to get into this and and to um uh to start into magic or or uh explore this kinds of these kinds of uh entities and so on. Um but for a lot of people it's a it's a good way because uh um to some extent, science is an important paradigm in our culture uh and for a lot of people it's it's the way we've we've learned to think so um it's not in- you know it's it's actually very compatible um, with traditional magic uh if you kind of look at what's going on when when you do it so that's really what what the book is about and um it discusses the neuroscience but it's really it's just full of these exercises that demonstrate the points and and uh Uh, Somebody can pick it up uh, if you know nothing about magic or nothing about how the brain works, whatever you can pick the book up uh, and you can really start practicing and getting into these different kinds of experiences. And uh, it goes through everything from meditation to uh, uh, invocation, contacting gods and goddesses and entities of of all kinds, and basically using it to uh, create a good life for yourself.
0: Cool. So they're uh, the entities, and all that are just there to wait and to help us out.
3: Uh, well, I, I think those are the ones that we <laughs> those are the ones that we want to contact. Um, there's plenty of entities out there that really don't care about us, or there's plenty of entities out there that that might not be so, that might not be as healthy for us to deal with. Um, but I, I think a whole a whole big part of this is learning how to be selective in that sense, and and to to contact the ones that are that have meaning for us or that are uh useful to us uh that that are that are waiting to help us out.
0: Cool. Well it looks like a very interesting book that you're gonna be having coming out too.
3: Yeah, I think uh it, it should be fun. That'll be out in October, although uh people can uh uh it is on Amazon already. Uh the publisher already has it up for pre order although I don't think there's much description on it. Uh, but if you want to go and pre-order it, it's called brain magic. Uh, the, the previous book, uh, the previous magic book, uh, is called meta magic. And again, that's also really full of, of exercises that people can use. That one's more about evocation, about communicating with spirits external to you, uh, rather than bringing them in rather than the invocation part. Um, and, uh, that one's, that one's been out for a couple of years now. And, uh, uh, it's got good reviews all around, and um, uh, so people can uh, they can get that. And again, that's that's one. I, I try to gear my books so that they uh, they're useful for for everybody. There's something in there for the beginner. Um, there's stuff in there for for the more advanced people. I, I, I like people to get insights from it, no matter uh, whether they've only just heard about these ideas now or uh, or whether they're, you know, they're old pros at it. Um, so, um, you know, if somebody goes to, uh, you go to Amazon and you you put in my whole name, which is Philip H. Farber, um, you'll find that. Or you can go to my website, which is uh, metamagic.com, and there's the whole list of books and links to Amazon and uh, all that good stuff.
0: Well, I'm definitely looking forward to reading more and uh, finding out a lot more. They have very informative websites.
3: Yeah, there's, if you go uh, on the website, there's actually a lot of articles people can read. Uh, there's some videos. If you go on YouTube and plug my name in, there's a bunch of videos where I explain this stuff. Um, there's a lot of audio clips on the website as well um, uh, where I, I get into to more detail uh uh explaining some of this and uh um so you know uh, i'm i like giving information <laughs> and i like i like making it useful for people uh, uh so that uh, you know somebody can come into it and no matter what your background is uh you can you can do it and i've I've been in odd situations where um I was once invited to um this group where everybody Everybody came. We were supposed to kind of, you know, present something uh, of what you did, and uh, 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 you know, so I I got in there and I have some little kind of demo pieces of magic that that we can that I can do with a small group very quickly, and uh, uh, you know, I did this and and this one guy who was there. just absolutely, you know, he absolutely loved it, and he came up to me afterwards, and he was like, "Oh, that was really cool. I got all this information. I met this entity, and blah blah blah." And then after he left, somebody came up to me and said, "Wow, I was really worried about him because he's like a, a fundamentalist Christian, and and I really thought that you know, once you started talking about magic and entities, he was going to think that you were the devil and <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, freak out and uh, um, you know, but it turned out that that he actually he he did it he followed along and and he got something out of it and he really uh he enjoyed it so it's it's interesting kind of uh just kind of aiming it that you know pretty much anybody can can pick it up there's there's always going to be somebody who's a little like you know you know magic that's obviously the devil's work and so on but um uh i I do i do try to make it (laughs) make it friendly and useful for people
0: so how do you uh handle when people tell you it's the devil's work
3: well i don't argue with people about that kind of thing Pe- people's religious beliefs are are their own um i i hope that my uh my actions and my my demeanor and uh my ability to be calm and friendly with people uh uh is more convincing than any argument that i can make um uh, you know I'm not going to tell anybody not to have their, their beliefs. And there's things that are appropriate for some people that aren't for others. So um, everybody's at their own stage of development, if you want, or their own, uh, having their own kinds of beliefs. And uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell somebody that they're wrong. <laughs> that's, that's as bad as the, the, the people who, who knock on my door and, tell me that I should believe in their religion, otherwise, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be saved and I'll go to hell. Um, so um you know I I generally you know, I don't argue with I used to like I used to argue with those people. Uh they they'd come to the door, I'd get into these religious arguments with them. I stopped doing that many years ago. Um I I tend to respect everybody's beliefs. Um in a sense they're all true. Uh everybody's beliefs has uh if you believe it it's true for you and, and uh um, when people come to me as clients and they people show up with all sorts of different beliefs um i actually live in an area here where there's a lot of buddhists and uh i'm not a buddhist but i'm buddhist friendly <laughs> i've meditated for many years i know a lot about it um i'm i'm an agnostic on the point of reincarnation um i've had what are called past life experiences myself, but I'm not really sure whether these are kind of universal things that I tap into something in the collective unconscious that that I relate to as a, as a story about me in a former life. Um, the 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 brain has amazing abilities to create stories and useful metaphors and things like that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm an agnostic on that. But when when a, I get a Buddhist client in who who wants to do a past life. Uh, uh, session and they want to explore their uh, who they were, their previous incarnations, and and so on. I'm happy to do that with them. That's that's part of their belief set, and and uh, I'm willing to do that. Um, there are some hypnotists who don't say, well, that's not, no, that's not real, and you know uh, we can't do that. Um, so I, you know uh, I generally hope that other people will give me the same courtesy and because um, I'm sure some of my beliefs sound pretty far-fetched to, to other people. Um, uh, and and I can understand that, how they would. Um, but I hope that people would will keep an open mind and um, maybe take the time to kind of check it out a little bit more before condemning me to hell. Um, and, and then on the other hand, there's people who are just so closed-minded that they only have their beliefs and anything outside it is evil. And... You know, there's not a whole lot you can do with these people um, except smile at them and wish them a good life.
0: And uh, I was reading on your website now, too, is what's the difference between hypnosis and meditation?
3: Ah, very good question. Um, there's uh, – it's not a simple answer because the um, – there's a whole lot of different techniques in both of those categories. There's so many different kinds of – of. Uh, Uh, meditation techniques, and an awful lot of hypnosis techniques. In general, however, uh, meditation is more about something that you do that focuses your conscious mind. It's about keeping your awareness on one thing, okay, a mantra, uh, a symbol, a candle flame, uh, a sound or whatever, or it's just sitting and breathing, your posture, keeping your conscious awareness focused on that. Um, in terms of neuroscience, in terms of what happens in the brain, <clears throat> doing that quiets the brain down quite a bit. If your your conscious mind is, is your mind is consciously directed towards something uh, and you keep it that way, it actually keeps a lot of the parts of the brain from chattering to each other. Uh, so that's essentially the basic process of meditation is just that process of keeping focused on one particular thing. Um, it, hypnosis, however, uh, is more about what's going on in your unconscious, what's going on outside of your conscious awareness. And uh, when I'm doing hypnosis with clients, um, I will often tell people you can let your mind wander any way you want. And they'll go off in daydreams and whatever. And I'll be maintaining this kind of communication with their unconscious minds through ideomotor response, through the kind of movements that their body makes and um uh signals like that and, and also through through their language and talking directly with their unconscious mind uh and so on so um that's kind of the general difference is that uh, hypnosis were more concerned with what the with uh, uh, directing the unconscious mind in meditation it's more about keeping this focus of the conscious mind If that
0: makes okay. Sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It uh, makes. Uh, have to think about it there for a moment, but okay. it made sense.
3: Yeah, it's in. You know, the basic process of meditation is um, uh, holding your focus on something. Let's say you have a um, uh, a symbol to to focus on, and uh, like um, traditional ones, like the yantra symbol, is something that you know somebody would hold their attention on, or even even simpler than that, like a candle flame and uh the mind has this incredible tendency to wander and anytime you concentrate on something it, the mind likes to go off and you know think about other things say oh my butt itches or you know what am i going to have for lunch tomorrow or last time i was doing this something happened or uh you know whatever and it goes off from simple little things like that like i have i've got an itch or you know to full blown daydreams that you lose track of time and come back half an hour later um uh, so th- that's the, the kind of general tendency of the mind. Medi- the meditation process is to notice those breaks in concentration, accept them, and then return to the concentration. And that's the kind of process that goes over and over again. And as you continue to do it, and if you do it for many years and practice a lot, um, the ultimate result, and this has been recently demonstrated with brain scan studies, uh, that it actually it quiets the mind. And that when you you think about something or you have an emotional state, um, uh, if you're an experienced meditator, your mind quiets down again much much more quickly than somebody who doesn't meditate. Um, so it's very very useful. Um, and uh, uh, the 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 other side of that in hypnosis uh, is that we can actually kind of get into some of the the processes that work on an unconscious level uh and understand how um we're, we're dealing more with the those breaks in concentration with the daydreams and and so on and actually um have people have full full blown kind of dream-like experiences where they go off into kind of alternate realities and, and explore different aspects of their life in metaphoric terms like they might in a dream um uh, or actually, just getting to the unconscious mind and kind of bargaining with it and <laughs> making deals with it, which is something that, that we might do more with somebody who wants a habit change, like stop smoking and, uh, and, and so on. So, uh, um, you know, it's fun. And, and, and there's actually ways that you can combine both of those processes and, um, uh, and get some interesting results as well. Cool.
0: It looks like uh oh, let's see. We have got a couple of people. I think they may have some questions. Okay. Go ahead. Bring them on the air. Hello, area code five one seven. You're on the air.
1: Hi. How are you guys tonight?
0: Doing great. How can we help you?
2: Well, uh, my name is Shannon, and I was just calling. Um, are you are you doing readings? Am I? Do I have that wrong?
0: Yeah, no, we're not doing readings tonight.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry.
0: That's okay. All right,
1: you. Do you have you.
0: any? Uh, okay. All right. Air code 585, you're on the air. Hello? Hello, you're on the air.
1: Hi, um, My my name is Peter.
0: Hi, Peter, how can we help you?
1: Good. I just want to go back to something that uh, that he said earlier about uh, about how he kind of believes that we all um, what we see is really happening. We believe it in our own way. Things like that. He said that earlier. Okay. And I I just I just want to say that I believe that too uh, because you know my family has a history of being able to. To see, kind of see all these different uh, apparitions in the mind, including myself, and what like, like the type of stuff I see is I see these different uh, people, and, they're car- and they carry around like these numbers, like it's almost it's almost prosthetic. And you know, they they come up to me, they drop their numbers, they whip their dick out, and they fuck me in the ass.
0: yeah okay, yeah okay. yeah every once in a while we get calls like that, so <laughs> that's that okay
3: a, that's an unusual reality to live in
0: yeah and, and, uh, I guess you know it's kinda of bad when you know when people um have to go ahead and call into a show and and um and make comments and all like that, so yeah, that's the reality
3: that, kind of suggests that there's not much else going on,
0: yeah. <laughs> Definitely not much else going on there and, and yeah. definitely could definitely could use some of your hypnosis and everything else and maybe try to help them out a lot.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Something like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well on that note it looks like we're about out of time anyways. So I wanna thank you for uh being with me tonight.
3: Yeah, this is uh this was fun. I enjoyed it.
0: And hopefully we can get you back on again, and uh, maybe when you get your book uh, coming out in October, we can have you back on, or maybe even before then, and and uh, sure. get to find I, out I would, some more.
3: Yeah, I would I would enjoy that. Um, I'd just like to, to point people at the at the website again, if they uh, they're interested in finding out more, it's uh, metamagic.com, dot com m e t a hyphen m a g i c k dot com, and um, there's lots of information on all this stuff.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, and uh, very informative, very helpful, and uh, I'll talk to you again real soon.
3: Okay. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. We'll talk okay. to you in All right. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. I'm going to take a break for just a moment, play a song, and then, um... and then we'll be right back in just a moment. Oh, I know I got I got, uh, somebody in, in a private call there and all that. I want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight. It's been interesting, to say the least, that's for sure. Um, don't forget, check out tomorrow night. We're going to have PMH water with us. And she had, last time she was on, uh, the big book of near-death experiences. Well, this is a continuation. to have more to say. So a very interesting book. And um, then we're going to have um, John Michael Thornton with us as well, in a couple of days. Grab my book here. Uh, yes, John Michael Thornton is going to be with us Thursday night. Tomorrow night, is PMH Atwater. So it's going to be interesting. Talking about her experiences with, uh, doing a research for near-death experiences and all. So don't forget, uh, Marcus has a favorite on here. And, uh, follow us, you know, check on the links. I'm not sure where they are anymore on Blog Talk. They keep changing everything. But, um, Get a hold of us on our Facebook page. We're going to be converting over to the new website real soon. We're going to have less uh, technical issues than what we're having here on, um, on blog talk. So, um, and I'll have 24 seven support. So if I have any technical issues, technical support will actually be there instead of not being there. And, uh, So it's just been a little crazy. So anyways, until tomorrow night, everyone, know that you are loved because God loves you. And so do I, even if you create little headaches for people. Have a great night, everyone.